is A-M-E-N, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U-S-A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. Weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar, cigar Dave. Fire up a cigar. I cannot tell you how excited I am that today, for the first time since January 11th, I will be firing up a cigar. Pleased to report, the Surgeon General of the Alpha Army has given me the go-ahead to enjoy a fine, hand-rolled premium cigar. I will savor it. I will absolutely be captivated by the aroma, by the taste. The first time after this nasty upper respiratory infection, bronchitis, all the other garbage going on. So that is, as I look at it now, about six weeks that I have not had a cigar. And you know what? I'm not shaking. I don't feel a need to go have a cigar. Why? Because we're not addicted to cigars, not like cigarettes. If the enemies of pleasure would only realize cigars and cigarettes are different, life would be far better. Long Ash greetings and salutations, a Long Ash snappy salute, Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure, long live the Alpha, make America great again, keep America great, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, screw the socialists, screw the taxocrats. As always, it is your five-star global general and commanding Alpha Male-in-Chief from Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City. Follow me on social media. Just go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner. You can just go ahead and follow us along on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. Email CigarDave at CigarDave.com. Very simple, CigarDave at CigarDave.com. For the enemies of pleasure, I may have to spell that because they're not that bright, but I know that all of our alphas certainly are bright indeed. Tons and tons of items to get to. My desk, my ample-sized desk that actually looks like a giant airplane wing is just jammed with material that I have to get to, so without any further delay, I shall. I have always stated that Michael Bloomberg, enemy of pleasure number one, He was the mayor-slash-nanny of New York, as Mike Bloomberg would say. He is the supreme enemy of those of us who enjoy cigars, who enjoy freedom, who enjoy big gulps, who enjoy salt. Bloomberg had this inner need to show everyone that he was smarter, is smarter than everyone else, that he has the divine right to tell everyone how to live their life. And by the way, Michael Bloomberg, a former cigarette smoker. But now all of a sudden, he can tell everyone, nope, you can't have your cigar, and we're going to close all these cigar clubs around town, or at least try to do that. On Wednesday evening, what an absolute delight to watch Michael Bloomberg get absolutely smacked up the head, down the head. I mean, you name it. He was smacked around by... 
Focahontas by the fake Indian up and down. But I'd said this one after him. Oh, that was beautiful. I love the 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 the, uh, the little bit where but I'd said this said where, where uh, uh, Gluberg says, well, if you're not the poster child for uh, socialism with three houses at Blue at but I'd says and I got to get into but I'd said this character here. Yes, but wait a minute. I have three hopes. One in Washington D.C. where I work. Two in Burlington, Vermont, where I live. And excuse me. But like many thousands of other Vermonters, I have a summer cabin on Lake Champlain. Excuse me for that. Well, what Bernard didn't tell you, it's not, the way he made it sound was it's like this rinky-dink cabin, right? Like maybe there's running water, maybe there isn't, there's an outhouse, maybe there's like two rooms and a, and a pot-belly stove. It's a $600,000 cabin, and I use air quotes here. So Bernard Sanders no longer goes after billionaires. Have you noticed that? I'm Bernard Sanders. I used to go after millionaires, billionaires, zillionaires, and trillionaires. But now that I'm a millionaire, I, Bernard Sanders, don't go after millionaires. I only go after billionaires. The man of the people, Bernard Sanders, three homes. No, not all Vermonters do have three homes. But it was great to see everyone gang up on Bloomberg, and he was clueless. Talk about a guy that looked like a total wussified beta never once stood up for himself. The fact is he has built a very successful media business, started with nothing. His parents, I think he said his father, I, I saw this quote, had never made more than, I believe, four figures. So certainly he didn't come from wealth, and I have to give the guy credit. He did build a giant media business. Does he look down on people now? You better believe it. Does he think he's superior to everyone else? You better believe it. But I cannot attack him for building a successful business. And they do treat their employees well. 21,000 of them. Never once did he mention when they were saying, well, you're a billionaire, a zillionaire. Never once did he say, I created a company from nothing. I was the first employee. I went out and sold my first client was, I think it was Morgan Stanley, if I'm not mistaken, Merrill Lynch, one of those, 10 terminals. And they get a huge amount of money for those bloomies, they call them, the Bloomberg terminals. They get something like six or 8000 maybe more, per month. It is not inexpensive. But they're all around the globe. He's built a successful business, yet he just kept taking it and taking it and taking it. But isn't it interesting, when he was mayor of New York, as he likes to say, when he was mayor of New York, he had no problem going after all those items that he didn't deem to be appropriate. I'm doing my Michael Bloomberg impression. Now, he's from Boston originally. People don't realize that, but he's got a little New York in there along with the Boston. But the way he sits there, being very smug, when he was mayor of New York City, there were 32 Bloomberg bans he wanted to enact. Six regarding smoking and tobacco, six regarding transportation, five regarding food and food service, five regarding buildings, bathrooms, or black roofs, two regarding music, two regarding grass clippings and grassy areas, one regarding cell phones, one regarding guns, one on term limits. Oh, and let me, don't get me started on the term limit thing, because I'm going to get into that, how Bloomberg is a total fraud. One ban on organic food waste from landfills, one on heating oils, one from greenhouse gas emissions. And I've got the full list here. 
in my hot little hand. And let's face it, he went after smoking, went after cigars. I, Michael Gluberg, I'm going to take out big cigars. I'm going to take out big salt. I'm removing the salt shakers from your table. I'm going after big gulps. I mean, the fact of the matter is that a mayor would actually waste his time going after a big gulp because it's 32 ounces is ridiculous. He also had a proposed ban on baby formula as New York mayor. So let's go through some of the bans that Michael Gloomberg enacted while mayor of New York. And it was just so delightful to watch his ass get pounded into oblivion. I mean, if this were a fight, if this were a boxing match, this would have been like him having both eyes totally bloodied, bruised, and shut, his nose broken, ten teeth just kicked out of his mouth, blood had streamed everywhere, hunched over. You couldn't get a good enough cut man to fix all the problems because he was bleeding so badly last night. And he just sat there and took it. And I kept watching it in thorough pleasure, just totally enjoying him getting his ass kicked. Talk about a guy that wasn't prepared. That was Gloomberg. So here are some of the, here are the 32. He banned smoking in commercial establishments such as bars and restaurants in 2003. Banned smoking in public places 2011. Cigarette sales to those under 21 in 2013. And I believe that, I think that affected cigars as well. But that was before there was a, any federal law or state laws. He just said, as New York mayor, I'm going to enact it because I'm Michael Gloomberg. Sales of flavored tobacco products in 2019. Smoking of e-cigarettes in public places, 2013. Cigarette in-store displays, 2013. Cars in Times Square, 2009. Cars from driving in newly created bike lanes, that was from 2007 to 2013. Cars causing congestion below 60th Street in Manhattan, 2007. Speeding on residential slow zones, 2013. Illegal guns, 2006 to 2013. Sodium levels in processed foods, that was 2010. Trans fat in restaurants, 2006. And by the way, I don't have a problem with the trans fat. Everybody knows trans fats have been a problem, and many restaurants were already beginning to get rid of them. Loud headphones in 2013, styrofoam packaging and single-service food items in 2013. I'm Michael Gloomberg. If you go to pick up Chinese food at takeout, you will not be allowed to enjoy your food in a styrofoam package. I'm going to ban it. Just like in 2012, Michael Gloomberg banned sodas larger than 16 ounces. The mere fact... That he would come out and say, look, if people want to have more than 16 ounces, they can just go back and get refills. Or they can get buy just buy three or four different sodas that are 16 ounces max. Are you kidding me? If I want to have a 32 or 64 ounce or a 198 ounce iced tea, unsweetened, it should be my right to be able to do that. Why is that necessary? Why is it necessary to create a ban? Because you don't like it? That's what it boils down to. Organic waste from landfills. Ban on that, 2013. 
He uh, banned collection of yard waste gra- glass clippings during certain times of the year. That was from 2003 to 2013. Commercial music over 45 decibels. That was in 2013. Chain restaurant menus without calorie counts, 2008. And I don't have a problem with that. But I don't think it should be dictated. I think it should have been. And I think most restaurants, if you would have gone to them and said, look, we want people to be able to know the calories. Fine. And in fact, when you look at more people wanting healthier choices, the food companies have had no choice but to respond to that. Let's see. Posting of signs in city-owned grassy areas. He banned that in 2013. Non-fuel efficient cabs in 2007. New cabs that aren't Nissan NV200s. That was 2013. Certain greenhouse gas emissions, 2007. Government buildings that aren't LEED certified, ban that, 2005. Non-hurricane-proof buildings in coastal areas, 2013. And this one, black roofs in 2009. Now, he said that was a suggested voluntary ban. Apparently because there's too much heat causing climate change from black roofs. Who the hell knows? Construction cranes over 25 years old. That was 2013. Number six and number four, heavy heating oils, 2011. Less than a two-to-one ratio of female-male restrooms in new public buildings. That was 2005. Cell phones in schools, 2006. And here is the beauty. He banned term limits in 2008, which limited... New York City mayors to a two-term limit maximum, a total of eight years. Now, here's a little kicker on that. You'll recall that in 2001, when 9-11 took place, Mayor Rudy Giuliani was entering, I believe, the last year of his term. There was no, there's going to be an election in November, so he was already... There was a, 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 an election schedule for that November. Bloomberg was running in the election, I believe, or was going to announce. 9-11 takes place. Rudy Giuliani, the mayor, and there were calls from everywhere, every government official, every single member of law enforcement saying, we should, because of this emergency and what's going on, we should allow Rudy Giuliani to run for a third term or continue just have like an extension. This went on and on. And who was the one person that vehemently fought that? The one person that said, look, things are going to happen in the world. Things are going to happen in the city. But the people have made their will known twice. They want term limits for the mayor. Eight years maximum. This should be no exception. Life will go on in the city. The election should go on. There should be strict term limits. Even though there was a huge, huge outcry, a swell of support for Mayor Rudy Giuliani to continue for either another year or to allow him to run for four more years. Ultimately, term limits prevailed. The people spoke. They wanted term limits enacted. So, the election is held in November 2001. Bloomberg wins for mayor. He wins a first term, runs for a second term, and wins. Now we get to the end, the last year of his term. And so what does Mayor Michael Bloomberg decide? He decides that he's going to change the rules to allow him to run for a third term as New York City 
mayor. Now, here is a candidate running as the anti-Trump. He calls Donald Trump a bully. He bills himself as the un-Trump. At a campaign rally last week, he said, I'm the un-Trump. I know how to deal with bullies like that. But when he was mayor from 2002 to 2013, Bloomberg was the bully. He acted as an authoritarian dictator by changing rules, by enacting bans, and changing the rule, the one rule where citizens of New York City voted not once, but twice to establish hard term limits on mayors of New York. Two terms, that's it. Well, he changed the rules. He said, well, we're in an unprecedented time right now because of the financial crisis. Never mind that in 2001, there was an unprecedented time with a terrorist attack in New York City that brought down the World Trade Centers, the World Trade Center Towers. Now, between a financial crisis and the World Trade Centers, I would tell you that what happened in 2001 was far worse. But nonetheless, Bloomberg made the case saying, we have a financial crisis. I need to be involved. I need to be here. It does not make sense at this time to change mayors. I'm equipped to handle this. So he ran for a third term in 2009 by engineering the repeal of the term limit law that voters voted on twice. Here's the kicker. He spent loads of money to run for his third term, and he strong, basically strong-armed the city council with all sorts of quid pro quo things and some hardball tactics for the city council to overrule that, even though, in my estimation, it should have been taken to court because a court would have absolutely overruled the city council. The people spoke, not once, twice. Did Bloomberg care? Nope. So for him to go after Donald Trump as an authoritarian dictator is nonsense. It's a load of bull. Donald Trump hasn't just signed bills into law by himself. When certain bills were voted down in the House or Senate, he didn't say, well, like Bloomberg did, I don't care what the people said. I don't care what the Constitution says. I'm going to enact it anyway. He didn't do that. Bloomberg did it. So... His last term, he runs for it, spends loads of money. And he won, I mean, barely won. He won by, he had 51% of the vote. I mean, barely won. Five points ahead of his challenger, who basically spent almost no money. And Bloomberg argued, no, let me call him Bloomberg, because that's what he is. He's gloomy. Bloomberg argued he was the only person that could steer the city of New York through the fallout of the global financial crisis in 2008. But here's what he did afterwards. After he gets sworn in for his third term, he voted in 2010 to reinstate the two-term limit. So only he could enjoy a third term. And he called his third term an extraordinary one-time thing. No, what that showed was that Bloomberg believed the people who voted not once, but twice, on strict term limits, didn't matter. Because he is superior to them, he is smarter to them, he is the nanny chief of New York. The nanny in chief. And one other thing I should mention, he also banned, and I forgot, how could I forget this? Bloomberg proposed a ban on baby formula as New York City mayor. Get this, in 2012... 
Bloomberg created the Latch On Initiative. See, once I talk about Bloomberg, Barron goes crazy. Pendragon's Royal Baron starts barking. This happened last week. I started mentioning Michael Bloomberg. Listen, did you just hear that? Baron, Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg. He's looking at me. He's like, I, I want to attack. He's ready to attack. He's showing me his chompers. But in 2012, Bloomberg created the Latch On Initiative, exerting control over a mother's decision on how to feed her baby. He demanded that mothers breastfeed their babies, insisted that hospitals keep baby formula under lock and key. And the New York City Health Department, under Bloomberg's order, was going to monitor the number of formula bottles being given out and demand a medical reason for each one. Who the hell was Michael Bloomberg to decide whether a woman wants to breastfeed or just feed with baby formula? More than half the city's hospitals agreed to institute the latch-on program. And those hospitals ended the practice of distributing free bags of formulas and baby bottles to new mothers. And he enlisted the support of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and they presented it as a health initiative for both mother and baby. Now, first he bans sugary drinks. First, then he bans drinks over 16 ounces. Now he wants to ban what mothers can feed their babies, demanding that you can only serve breast milk to the baby. Belly up to the boob. You can only have breast milk. There's no formula for you. And many mothers were outraged, saying it's the mother that should choose what's right for her and her child, not the government. So, Bloomberg has a history, has an absolute history of being an authorian dictator. And what a pleasure it was to see a guy that has spent $400 million on advertising to buy his way towards the Democrat presidential nomination get his ass absolutely pounded. This is enemy number one for those of us that enjoy cigars. Enemy number one for those of us that believe in personal choice and freedom. Enemy number one for those of us that want to go into a 7-Eleven and get a big gulp. Adios, Bloomberg, you bastard. You're done. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. 
Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. For the first time in six weeks, since January 11th, I am actually going to light and enjoy a fine cigar. Now, why did I wait six weeks? Well, as you all know by now, I had a terrible upper respiratory infection, developed into bronchitis, and the last thing I want to do was aggravate the bronchitis, aggravate the upper respiratory infection, and I had actually no desire to smoke a cigar while I was sick. Zero. Zero, zero, zero. Only this week, after my cough has totally subsided, have I felt ready to enjoy a cigar. And like most of you, I don't smoke cigars in mass. The biggest question I receive is, General, how many cigars a day do you smoke? And my answer is, can't give you an answer because many times I don't smoke during long stretches. If I'm traveling, if I'm busy, I want to enjoy my cigar. I want to get total pleasure. I don't light a cigar just to light a cigar. I don't need to light five, six cigars a day. So in many cases, I don't smoke cigars. And people are shocked. People that are not cigar connoisseurs are taken aback. Like, I don't understand. You love cigars. Is it like cigarettes you smoke every day? And the answer is no. And then, of course, I educate them, and then they totally understand. So the first time in six weeks, I'm going to enjoy the January 2020 selection in the Cigar Dave Officers Club, the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper. Now, Gatekeeper is the second release from Alec and Bradley Rubin, the sons of Alec Bradley founder Alan Rubin. And Alan wanted his sons to go out on their own. A year ago, they created their first cigar, and then this year, or I should say last year, last summer, it was released, but they started working with legendary blender and cigar master and good friend of the Cigar Dave show, Ernesto Perez Querillo, uh, at his Tabacalera La Alianza factory in República Dominicana. They all worked together for months on coming up with various blends. They created different blends to try and they came up with a smooth and rich flavor profile. The final result, Gatekeeper. Medium to full-bodied cigar notes of spice, sweetness, cedar. Another winner from Alec and Bradley Rubin, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Dominican Nicaraguan filler. Absolutely lovely looking cigar. And I remember when I talked to Alec and Bradley, And they said, look, the reason we call this gatekeeper is because Ernesto Perez Carrillo has all this knowledge. And he was the man that really said, listen, now you don't want to do this and you want to do that and think about doing this. So he was like a gatekeeper to make sure that they did the right thing. And I've just pulled out, I'm not going anything huge for my first cigar. I'm going to pull out the Corona, five inches by 44. It's a classic size. Many Cuban cigars came in the Corona. 
And many Dominican, Nicaraguan, Honduran cigars at one time did. Then they faded away, but they're starting to come back. It's a wonderful size. It's a classic shape that will never go out of style. And I'm going to enjoy the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper today. The first time I'm lighting a cigar and conducting lightation ceremonies. In the first time, six weeks. Oh, the aroma of the cigar. Can't wait to get a hold of it. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. I have to tell you, after six weeks, I have to build up my my hand and finger muscles here for my double-edged stainless steel guillotine. Just, it's almost like you're. I'm, I know I'm going to have some soreness in my in my middle finger and my thumb from basically opening and closing this double-edged guillotine. It's almost like when you start exercising again, you start lifting weights, you're sore. It's probably what's going to happen. So I'm going to make sure I let me make sure I properly warm up the fingers before I'm ready to go here. Yep, I'm ready to go. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Special litation device from the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, the research and development laboratories, the guys that wear the white lab coats that have pocket protectors. I mean, these guys are litation geeks. They think 24-7, 365 of new litation devices. And they've just handed me one. And what's cool is you just press this button and the top releases and it reveals four very cool litation devices. Four jet flames. And so they said, General, you haven't had a cigar in six weeks. We've got to give you something special, something new to properly celebrate. So basically they said, we're calling this the breakout because you're breaking out the cigars for the first time in six weeks. This is the breakout lightation device. So from the Cigar Dave R&D Labs, listen to that. Hear, hear that? C- cover opens, four lightation, jet flames. Listen to that. Beautiful. Fits in the hand, nice tank, very nice. So the Cigar Dave experimental prototype breakout, my lightation device today. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. Let me get rid of that. Outstanding. The aroma of this cigar, absolutely magnificent. In fact, Pendragon's Royal Baron, Puppy Baron, has come right next to me because he wants the cigar. In fact, let me see if I can grab a picture here while Baron is next to me. Wait, hang on a second. There you go. Look at me like that. Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm going to tweet that out. Now, I took the band off of this earlier. And the reason was, not that I took the band off, these actually were bundled cigars that were sent to me. And this was just before. This is the final blend, but before they put the band on them. But I've had them aging. So these have been aging now for probably nine months, ten months. These are going to be magnificent. Delightful-looking Cigar, beautiful Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Let me now toast the foot of this beautiful stick. Absolutely fantastic. Just delightful. Oh, yeah. Listen to that. Ah, here comes the puff. Oh, first puff in six weeks. Magnificent. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, oh. Ecstasy. Mmm. Pleasure. Whoa. Oh, ah, outstanding. This is, when you don't smoke a cigar for six weeks and your palate is totally clean and ready, 
this is taste that is just just jumping out off the off my taste buds. This Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper. Mmm. Let me just touch up the cigar one more time. Mmm. Outstanding. As I blow on the foot of the cigar, even amber glow. Mmm. I am in no rush. As I savor this lovely Gatekeeper cigar, taking my first few puffs, and the aroma around me, now that I can actually smell things again, because my nasal cavities aren't gunked up with all the upper respiratory infection viral garbage. Oh, I'm just taking this all in. And wafting around me. Mm, absolutely spectacular. As Mick the Brit would say, sterling, General. Absolutely sterling. I've got my cigar. Now I need a proper libation accoutrement. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, in just a few minutes, when I am done with litation and libation ceremony maneuvers, I will tell you about a record-breaking amount paid at auction for a very special bottle of Macallan. Now, I can't get the Macallan that was auctioned off. And at the price, a little bit stiff. However, Macallan has some phenomenal single malt scotch whiskeys that are available without having to spend huge money. I mean, they have, they have scotch, single malt scotches from $30, $40 all the way up. And I've selected one that's very special. Now, this is not an inexpensive spirit. Spirit I'm going to enjoy today is going to run somewhere, depending where you go, anywhere from maybe 275 to 350 bucks. Special occasion. It is a special occasion type of spirit, and it's a special occasion today because for the first time in six weeks, I'm actually enjoying a cigar. So I've broken out one of my favorites, the Macallan Sherry Oak 18. An iconic Macallan, robust flavor, it is part of their Sherry Oak range where they take their single malt whiskeys, they mature them in hand-picked Sherry seasoned oak casts for richness, complexity, a lot of flavors. And I'm going to pour it right now here. Let me take it. And before I ever bought a full bottle, I actually bought it by the dram because I wanted to see what it would taste like. And as soon as I bought it, I think I spent 25 bucks for a dram, but it was better than spending $300 or $350 for a bottle of something I wasn't sure of. I'm sure of this now, this Macallan Sherry Oak 18. It has, mm, you can just the aroma right off the bat. Definitely getting that sherry and getting some ginger, almost some vanilla. Let me say cheers. Mm. Mm. Some raisin, some definite orange. Little subtle smokiness, not a lot. Mmm. Definitely get that oak, that sherry. Take another sip. Mm. Oh, this is good. Oh, my tongue is tantalized. My taste buds are in exuberance mode between the cigar, my Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper, and my Macallan Sherry Oak Single Malt 18. Delightful. Not an inexpensive spirit. Definitely worth it. 
And as I always say, if you make it a special occasion type of spirit, you pay $350, $375, You don't have this every day. It's not an everyday spirit. It's a very special occasion spirit. It's a special occasion today. And speaking of a spirit that will be special occasion, the McAllen 1926. Big auction. In fact, Mick the Brit attended the auction. Mick the Brit was there for us as the European colonel in charge of the uh, colonel in charge of the European Theater of Operations. Mick was at Sotheby's. He said, "General, I will conduct some intel. A rare bottle of scotch, the Macallan 1926, 60 years old, from cask number 263, was the headline sale of the ultimate whiskey collection auction, which took place." at Sotheby's in London. Now, more than 460 bottles went on sale during the auction, including 178 bottles from the Macallan Fine and Rare series. The Macallan Fine and Rare series, when it first came out, the 60, I believe was about $30,000. Now, most people would look and say, okay, $30,000 for a bottle of Scotch whiskey? But who knew that it would be worth what it sold for? The 60-year-old bottle, the first to appear from the Fine and Rare series in more than a decade. It was offered for auction by a private American collector. The original estimate was that it would fetch between $450,000 and $578,000. What was the final auction price? Now remember, it was initially $30,000 when it was first sold way, way back, when McCallum released it. Private collector buys it, sits on it, holds it. Thought he was going to get between 450 and 578 large. Did he get 700,000? Let's play the prices right game, the higher lower game. Sergeant Steve, do we have any prices right theme music by any chance? Give me a second. I will give Sergeant Steve a second to come up with that. Because I remember back in the day, Bob Barker would play the higher lower game. You'd give out a price and he'd say higher lower. And then people would have to guess, and there would be, I don't know, 30 seconds on the clock for two different products. And if you won both or won one, fantastic. And you ended up in the showcase showdown anyway. So we're going to play the high and low game. Because this Macallan 1926 broke the auction record. It shattered it. Now the whiskey was distilled. There we go. Here we go. Close enough. All right, Sergeant Steve, the whiskey was distilled in 1926, bottled in 1986. It is considered the holy grail of whiskey. Part of the 178 bottle collection of Macallan's Fine and Rare series spanning from 1926 to 1921. And this rare bottle of Macallan 1926 can be yours if the price is right. So, Sergeant Steve, let's play the higher lower game, and I'll tell you what. We said it was going to start... We thought it would go between $450,000 and $578,000. It went for more than that, so we can start. The low floor will be $600,000. So, Sergeant Steve, you spew out your estimates. We're going to put 15 seconds on the clock. Wait a minute. Since there's normally two items, but we'll put 15 seconds on the clock. Hold on a second. Okay, that is the... Here's what we're going to hear here. That means the timer is up. So I'm going to put 15 seconds on the stopwatch on my smartphone here. And the 15 seconds, Sergeant Steve, will start 
when you give me your first bid. So the floor is $600,000. I will say higher or lower. Sergeant Steve, go. Million. Higher. Million five. Higher. Two million. Lower. One seven five. Higher. One eight five. Higher. One nine. Yes! Oh, and you just came in with one second to go. One second, you got it. Beautiful. $1.9 million. And Sergeant Steve, I'd like to say that bottle of McCalla 1926 is yours because you guessed the right price. But unfortunately, that's not how it works here on the Cigar Dave Show. Imagine the taxes on that if you won that. The taxes on that, if it were in the United States, if it was $1.9 million, right off the bat, you're going to the highest tax bracket. You're looking at, forget state. In Florida, where there's no state income tax, you're looking at 40%. Right off the bat, you're looking at 800000 So even if you won it, you'd have to sell it to be able to pay the taxes. <laughs> Not a good deal. No. Not a good deal. But even if you did sell it, pay the taxes, you'd still come up with a million bucks. So that's not bad. Not a bad deal at all. So this 60-year-old bottle just smashed the record. It features a hand-painted design by Irish artist Michael Dill. Sergeant Steve, let's kick up some Irish music to celebrate. What do you think? Do we have some Irish music? As I take a little sip of my Macallan Sherry Oak 18. Let me take a sip. Mm. Very nice. So this Macallan 1926, Mick was all on top of it. In fact, he called me. He said, General, would you like to put me to put a bid in? And I said, no, Mick, not at all. If it was 30000 bucks and I knew it was going to go to a million nine, would I have held it for 30 years? Oh, you better believe it. Under secure, strict vault conditions. But nobody knows that. And we're seeing more collectors now that are purchasing very rare, very old, certified single malt scotch whiskeys, holding them for 10, 20, 30 years, and then putting it up for auction. I would love to know who bought it. Love to know who paid a million nine. Because if I paid a million nine for that bottle of scotch, ain't no way in hell would I ever drink that. No way in hell. Mick the Brit, nice job representing us at Christie's. There's, or at the Sotheby's, there's some other auction items that Mick did call me on that I was considering. But eh, at the end, we said, eh, we'll pass. But it just goes to show you don't have to go out and spend a million nine or 30,000 to enjoy spirits. Because I always say, it's not necessarily the spirit. Spirit's a big component. But it's who you are enjoying the spirits with. Because I can tell you right now, just like cigars, it's not the cigar, it's who you're with. If I could enjoy a cigar, one cigar and a glass of scotch or, or Crown Royale with my grandfather's cigar, Abe, you can be sure to me that would be priceless. Absolutely priceless. And in fact, every time I do enjoy a cigar and have a little Crown Royal, I always think about him. He loved his gold label cigars. As a kid, he'd always give me the band. He'd give me the box. I'd always go with him when he would buy his cigars. Love it. I was the only grandchild of, uh, of his that ended up following in his footsteps, enjoying fine cigars. And I wear, I wear that as a badge of honor very proudly. So if I could have one cigar and a libation with my grandfather's cigar, Abe, priceless. And many of you would feel the same way, whether it was your father, a brother, an uncle, a friend, a mentor, somebody very close to you that introduced you to cigars, that mentored you, that helped you in life along the way. Those special people. To all of them, I raise that glass right now and I say cheers to all of you. Ah, Going down in their memory, in their honor. 
Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. The Cigar Dave Officers Club has been en fuego on fire with marvelous selections. And we continue that trend for February. We feature a full-flavored selection of Crowned Head's unique artisanal quality cigars. First up, the Jericho Hill, dedicated to the man in black. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Jericho Hill, the first Nicaraguan cigar from Crown Heads. It's wrapped in a Mexican San Andrean Maduro wrapper. Rich, dark, delivers medium to full-flavored attitude. Then we feature the La Imperiosa. Buckle up. It's a seriously full-flavored beauty. Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper ignites massive notes of pepper. And then we wrap it up with Juarez, inspired by Jericho Hill. But Juarez amps up the strength, delivering notes of spice and sweetness. $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars like the Crown Heads full-flavored sampler. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and join the Officers Club today. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Thoroughly enjoying my Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper as well as my McCallum Sherry Cask 18. Very quickly, I want to recognize someone that passed away this week. You may have never heard of him. I didn't. But you do something that he invented every single day, multiple times a day. Larry Tesler, computer scientist, passed away Monday. He joined Xerox Palo Alto Research Center called Park in 1973. And what did he develop there? that you use every day, multiple times a day on your smartphone, on your computer, Microsoft, Word, Excel. He developed cut, copy, and paste. Think about that. Something that we do every single day. I got to cut this and paste it. I got I to gotta copy this and paste it. We do it every day. And never once did I ever think, who invented that? Something that we do every day. The guy that invented it, Larry Tesler. Passed away Monday at age 74. Only appropriate that... We give him a snappy salute. Something we do every day, a name you wouldn't know, but Larry Tesler developed the cut, copy, and paste. Somebody had to invent it, and Larry did. Rest in peace, Larry. Your legacy will certainly live on, even though many people may not know your name. Hour two of the Cigar Dave Show. Much more coming your way next. 
Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida. U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar, cigar Dave. We continue with Alpha Male Pleasure Maneuvers with yours truly, the foremost authority on cigars, spirits, diversions, dice, dames, good life, battling the enemies of pleasure, taking on all sorts of prohibition, fighting for your rights as an alpha to enjoy the victors, the spoils of your hard work. There are many enemies of pleasure, Michael Gloomberg, one of them, but there are many more lurking like little cockroaches want to rear their ugly heads and say, you can't enjoy a fine spirit. You can't enjoy a fine steak. You can't enjoy that cigar. You can't enjoy your harem. And our answer to that, screw them. We are smart enough to make our own decisions. We don't need to live in a nanny state. Enough. We will make our own decisions. Now, I've always said, I believe in discrimination. Now, many of you are saying, wait a minute, General. Whoa, 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 whoa. You believe in discrimination? Not so fast, my friends. Let me explain. I do believe in discrimination. I believe that people should have the right to associate with whom they like, to create their own clubs, private clubs, with their own established criteria. So let me give you a couple of examples where I believe discrimination should be allowed. If a group of women want to get together once a week, once a month, and talk about dame things, women items, go out to lunch at a certain spot, a regular basis, maybe it's once a week or once a month where they get together for lunch or dinner, and they only allow membership of women who either have a similar interest, maybe they're all, maybe they all knit together, or maybe they are all physicians or they're doctors or they're businesswomen or they're entrepreneurs, or women from a certain area, or women from a certain religion, whatever the case may be. If they would like to meet and establish a strict criteria for their membership, they should be allowed to do so. If a group of men say, look, we are going to create our own club, and we have strict membership criteria, only men who are cigar connoisseurs who have conservative views, or could be Democrat views, liberal views, whatever the case may be, who like single malt scotch, that is the criteria to become a member of our club. If you don't like scotch and like wine, you can't join. If you don't like cigars, you cannot join. I have no problem with that. None. If you are a private institution or a private club and you don't take federal dollars, decide who you want to with that's I have no problem with that why do I want to be in a club or an organization that doesn't necessarily want me or I don't fit their criteria if I want to put together a group of men let's say forget men a group of people 
but they have to be cigar connoisseurs. And they have to all have voted for President Trump. Should that not be my right to put a group together like that and discriminate if you voted for Hillary Clinton or if you don't like cigars? I think discrimination is perfectly fine. Just as I think that if a specific business would like to only cater to a specific gender, male or females, it should be their absolute right. And I have a perfect case in point. King's Cuts. That's King's Cuts with a K. K K-U-T-S. In Ponca City, Oklahoma. Where the wind comes whipping down the range 100 miles north of Oklahoma City. That barbershop has a strict no girlfriends or wives policy. Well, a woman came in with her husband by the name of Maliki Skaronsky. And here's what she had to say when she came into the King's Cuts men's barbershop with her husband. The man kind of ignores my husband and just directly approaches me and says, uh, I'm sorry, but we have a strict no women's policy. You can't be here. What's the problem? They have a strict no women's policy. If that is how the barbershop would like to operate, that should be fine. I'm sure there are many salons for women that say, we don't want men. Men are not allowed. And I will guarantee you that feminists all over the place will applaud saying, yes. Just like there are many gyms that say, you cannot have men. This is a women's only gymnasium, a women's only athletic club, a women's only exercise facility. No problem with that. That's discriminatory, but I have no problem. Women want to be able to exercise by themselves. Okay, fine. Men should have these same rights. Same thing with a barbershop or a women's salon. And I guarantee you, women, feminists, if women say we only allow women in this salon, I guarantee you they would be saying, we have the right. Women want to be able to feel secure and safe. We don't want to have men there gawking. So therefore, we, we, we encourage women's only salons. And my answer is, okay, fine. No problem. Shouldn't be an issue. But apparently, this woman had a major issue. Well, the owner of King's Cuts, Daxton Nichols, gave his side of the story. In New York City, there's over uh, 17 women's only clubs where women can go and do the salon thing and they can go get their nails done and their hair done, talk business amongst each other and do that whole women's power, hear me roar stuff. Helen Reddy, I am woman, hear me roar. Roar. That's right. If a woman's salon says no men, just dames, no problem. You're not going to see men jumping up and down saying, I demand the salon allow me to get my, my hair cut and colored. I mean, I can just see Cory Booker now. Cory Booker, Spartacus. I demand to be able to go into a woman's salon because, frankly, I'm one of them. Even though I'm of the male gender, I should be allowed in. Oh, I got another story about him and his girlfriend a little bit. Well, what's the problem? The owner of this barbershop says, hey, women have their own salons. They can do their own thing. I should be allowed to do the same thing because he wants to create a man cave 
environment. We want guys to be able to come out here, come in here and hang out and, and be guys and not have to worry about watching what they say or, or what they talk about because there's a lady present. What are we doing to hurt somebody's feelings? I mean, show me where we hurt you really. I mean, this is just people getting offended just because they can. Bingo. Bingo. Not hurting anybody. They want to have a man cave. Men want to talk men's items, just like women want to talk about women's issues or women's, women's talk. Men want to tell dirty jokes. Men want to talk about dames. Men want to be politically incorrect. They should have the right to do that. And King's Cuts in Punka City, Oklahoma, they don't take any government money. They're not a government-run institution. They're privately owned. He can set the rules. Now, of course, there's going to be some somebody that's going to say, well, this is outrageous. We're going to sue. Mark my words, somewhere along the line, some feminist, some female is going to say, that's not right. Even though women can have their own salons, women can have their own clubs. So I believe, yes, in certain circumstances, discrimination is fine. If you are privately owned or if you are a private club that says we only want women of a certain profession or a certain common background, we don't want anybody else. No problem. No problem. This country now has gotten infatuated with, well, we have to have equality for everything. I'm sorry. I don't want to necessarily belong to a women's club. I don't need, I don't have an inner need to say, well, these 10 women are going to their weekly women's lunch. I should be able to join them. Not really. Could care less. It's their right. Just like if I want to have a cigar club that says, the number one rule, you have to be a cigar connoisseur. Number two, you have to be a Buffalo Bills fan. Number three, you have to despise Michael Bloomberg and Bernard Sanders. If you meet those four qualifications, you're in. What's wrong with that? should have no problem whatsoever. So if you want to have, whether you are a woman or you're a man, and you want to cater only to the same sex for your business, you want to create a man cave or a woman cave, have at it. You want to create your own private club, social club, and there's certain criteria for membership, Go ahead. No problem. I have no desire, I have no urge to bang on some woman's club's door saying, I demand that you allow me in. You're being discriminatory. Yes, they are, and that's fine. The problem is everybody today, oh, it's politically incorrect if you say you're for discrimination. I am for discrimination. I don't want in private clubs, women's clubs or men's clubs, I don't believe that everybody should have the right to join. As I stated, if a woman's group says, we only want women, we only want to talk about this subject, or this one commonality we all have, one profession, great, let them meet. Let them meet in peace, let them enjoy themselves. Just like I can get a group of men together that have shared interests and say, fine, no problem. We are going to have our own club. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that you believe in discrimination in general. It just believes, it just means that you believe in allowing people with the same hobbies or the same passions or the same thought or ideas or the same gender to congregate amongst themselves. End of discussion. Enough of the political correctness BS. Real quickly, if you are not a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, big mistake. Huge mistake. 
We have started off the year with two phenomenal cigars. The cigar that I'm enjoying right now, the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper. That was our January 2020 selection. Beautiful cigar. And then for February, those of you that are members of the Officers Club, you're going to be enjoying the Crowned Heads Sampler, a full-flavored selection of Crown Heads' unique artisanal quality cigars. And they should be were mailed, I believe, Tuesday. So by the end of the week, uh, let's see. No, you should already have them by now. And beginning of the next week, those of you on the West Coast, you should have your February 2020 Officers Club selection. Three cigars. The Jericho Hill, dedicated to the man in black. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. First Nicaraguan cigar from Crown Heads. Mexican San Andrean Maduro or Marron wrapper. A lot of medium to full flavored attitude. La Imperiosa. A full-flavored beauty. Buckle up. Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper ignites massive notes of spice and pepper, but very approachable. And then Juarez, inspired by Jericho Hill. Juarez amps up the strength while delivering notes of spice and sweetness. Three full-flavored cigars from Crown Heads. Normally, we have some medium, some mild, some full, but we wanted to do something very unique from Crown Heads. So those of you that are members of the Officers Club that like full-flavored, bold, rich cigars, you're going to love the February 2020 Officers Club. If you are not a member, $22.95 per month, you get three fantastic cigars in a Cigar Dave Officers Club pouch. Go to CigarDave.com now, click on Officers Club, and make sure you join before the end of the month to get in for the March selection, which we will talk about next week. All right, so men's only barbershop. People want to have their own club, I say, so be it. No problem. They should have that right. Now, here's a great story. Those of us that enjoy spirits. If you, here's a perfect example. Let's say you want to create a group of men and women that only enjoy craft beer. You should be able to put that club together. If someone says, well, I don't like beer. I just, I just like wine, but I want to join your club. Sorry, you don't meet the qualifications. No problem. But this is a great story. Bradenton Brewery. Bradenton, Florida, just about 35 minutes to the south of the Cigar City. A Bradenton brewery called Motorworks Brewing has an award-winning Cruiser Golden Lager. Very well-regarded beer. And they wanted to do something that would recognize man's best friend. Dogs. Canines. So they created a special beer. They created, they took their Cruiser Golden Lager and they said, we are going to create something to help one of the dog shelters in their area, Dog Shelter Manatee. They created a can that features adoptable dogs on the label. So every can has an adoptable dog. They pick several dogs or multiple dogs. They work with a printer um, in Pinellas County, which is right across Tampa Bay from the Cigar City of Tampa. And they featured a dog at Shelter Manatee. Now, this came out in January. Within a very short time, two of the dogs that were on the cans of beer were adopted. The beer is sold in four packs for 9 bucks, 24-pack cases for $40. So popular, the brewery has to brew more. And they wanted to help raise money for the Manatee County Dog Shelter, for Shelter Manatee. And they even have something called a yappy hour at their brewery, where beer that was sold, some of it, the proceeds, go to the shelter. Not the first time a brewery has involved dogs. Fargo Brewery in North Dakota 
work teamed up with a local dog rescue organization to put adoptable dogs on their labels. And I'm looking at a picture of the Fargo Brewing Company. It's great. They got all sorts of dogs on there, and I think that is a wonderful thing, helping to raise money. But here's where it gets very interesting. But wait, there's more. When MotorWorks Brewing put the shelter dogs on the beer cans, they knew they'd raise money and awareness and maybe help adopt some dogs, which they did. However, something very special happened. A woman who was scrolling through her Facebook feed by the name of Monica Mathis in, uh, I believe it was in Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota. She's from Minnesota. Scrolling through her Facebook feed, and she sees a story on MotorWorks Brewing and how they are putting pictures of adoptable dogs on the beer cans. And she scrolls through, and she sees a picture of one of the cans, and the dog looked very familiar. She clicked on it and then said, look how close it looks to my dog. Well, after getting a closer look of the pit mix named Day-Day, she was sure of it. She said that is the same dog she lost in Iowa three years ago. She had raised the dog from a puppy, although Day-Day was known as Hazel when it got to the shelter, or the shelter named it Hazel, Got loose one day in May 2017, despite hours of driving, screaming her name. Monica Mathis was not able to find her. The search continued for weeks, no success. And as a dog owner myself, dog lover, that has got to be just excruciating, where you can't find your dog, dog is lost. And now there are these little GPS tags that you can put on that can trace, that can monitor where your dogs are. Good little item to have. So... She is unable to find her dog, screaming her name for hours, continued the search for weeks. She ends up moving back to Minnesota back in 2017, figured she'd never see the dog again. She said, if I didn't see that can on Facebook, I don't think I'd ever would have ever found her again. So nobody knows how the dog made it to Florida. Somehow the dog ended up at Manatee County Animal Services in March 2019, but the shelter was unable to find her owner. She was microchipped, but, and this is an important note for all of you that are dog owners that have had your dog or cat microchipped, you need to make sure you continually have the contact information updated. If you change your cell phone number, if you change your address, you need to have that information updated. Mathis had changed her last name after a divorce, and the number changed so they could not make contact with her. So you've got this microchip. It's got the number of the dog. There's a registry. They go to look at it. It's the first thing when a dog comes to a vet or a pound or a shelter. They scan it. Yep, we got the microchip. Great, thinking we're going to be able to find the owner. Can't get the information. What can you do? So think about this. Talk about a crazy circumstance. The dog ends up from Iowa to Florida. Nobody knows how it got there. But she reached out to the shelter. She provided vet records, provided photographs to prove ownership. The shelter confirmed that Day-Day was indeed Hazel. Mathis started crying. She couldn't believe it. She said, I didn't think I'd ever find my dog again. And she said, I have already updated my microchip information. And she urged other pet owners to make sure they do the same thing. All of you 
that have a dog or a cat or a pet that have your pet micro, uh, microchipped, if you have moved, if your numbers change, in fact, it's probably a good idea to make sure that the correct number is listed. I'm going to go do that uh, actually this afternoon myself, even though I know Baron when I had the contact information put on there less than two years ago. But I'm going to make sure. I want to make sure that indeed that information is correct. And also they've got these little GPS tags, rechargeable, that you can buy as well. Good idea as well. So this woman has never been to Florida. She just started planning a trip to come down and get her dog. But here's good news. The local nonprofit Friends of Manatee County Animal Services said they're going to pay all the transportation costs to get this woman's dog back to her in Minnesota so she doesn't even have to come down to Florida to get the dog. So well done. Nice work. Think about that. What are the odds of that happening? It starts with MotorWorks Brewing putting pictures of adoptable dogs from Shelter Manatee on their cans. Some dogs get adopted. Great. And then someone in Minnesota happens to see the pictures of one of the dogs and says, wait a minute, that looks like my dog. And it is. And then she proves that that was her dog with the vet records, with pictures. And a nonprofit group said, don't worry about coming to Florida. We will send the dog back to you at our expense. Well done. It started with a wonderful beer, a wonderful act. And as I said, We've got a lot of prohibitionists and enemies of pleasure that want to take away your rights to enjoy cigars, that want to take away your rights to enjoy spirits. But I will tell you, there are no more philanthropic companies than the spirit companies, this craft beer company, than cigar companies, and those people that enjoy cigars, cigar connoisseurs, and beer connoisseurs. They're more than happy to reach into their own pocket. The Democrats, oh, they point at everyone else. But when it comes to you... When it comes to them, they don't go into their pockets. But we as cigar connoisseurs, we're philanthropic. We have absolutely no problem. So kudos, bravo to MotorWorks Brewing for coming up with this program, not only adopting dogs, but reunited a long-lost dog with her owner. Bravo. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. 
To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. percent USDA certified alpha male with zero trace of wussification. It's the General Cigar, Cigar Dave. Dave. Quick follow-up to our story about uh, MotorWorks Brewing coming up with that great program with their beer and putting shelter dogs on the cans of beer. Getting several dogs adopted and reuniting a long-lost dog with their owner from Florida to Minnesota, but a man attempts to register beer as his emotional support animal. Can't make this up. A Brooklyn man re- uh, registered an unusual item as an emotional support animal, beer. Unfortunately, sources say that even with certification, the beer-loving man's plan won't work. Floyd Hayes filed the unusual registration with the USA Service Dog Registration website. He told the news outlet that he just wants to see if it will work. He says, I travel from upstate to Brooklyn a lot, and on the bus they say it's a federal crime to smoke or have an alcoholic beverage unless by prior written consent. And I always wondered, where do you get that consent? So he figured, I'm going to have beer acknowledged as his emotional support dog. However, a worker for the registration service spoke with him and said that uh, that is not going to work. There is no legal merit. Nice try. But sorry, now you can name your dog beer, but you can't actually say a can of beer is an emotional support dog. Did you see the story out of Ohio? The I, me- which, a medical board committee says that Browns and Bengals fandom is not enough to use medical marijuana. <laughs> it should be. Listen, it should be harder than medical marijuana. They should give them whatever hard drugs they need. As a long-suffering Bills fan, trust me, I get it. Between the Browns and the Bengals... It is, it's, I mean, it's, listen, there's probably many fans that have contemplated suicide after watching. I mean, Sergeant Steve, you're a longtime Bengals fan, and uh, unfortunately, you've got probably one of the worst owners next to the Haslam's in Cleveland. But I, I think the Haslam's yeah, are on Has- the bottom. Haslam's a worse second. owner by far. Oh, they're but... definitely worse. There's no doubt about it. They're definitely worse. No question about it. But, uh, yes, have you applied for that, by the way, for medicinal marijuana? I have not. There was a petition going on, but the medical board denied it. So it's they not, a, it's well, not a, a, a verified excuse or reason to use medical marijuana in Ohio. Uh, it's not too late. Let's see how they do this season. <laughs> Listen, if, you're, if, if the first-round draft choice, if that great quarterback decides to stiff Cleveland and not show up, everyone is going to be jumping off the ledge in Cincinnati. No ifs, ands, or buts. Joe Burrow, he doesn't show up. He just says he's pulls an Eli Manning. Let me tell you, there's going to be mass suicides in Cincinnati. I love the narrative, though, that Cincinnati is is such a bad team that Joe Burrow should skip it. 
Cincinnati's been to the playoffs five times in the last ten years. Yeah, they made the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, have, have they're, not, they're not Cleveland. They're not the Jets. They're not the Dolphins. I mean, those are worse teams, and yet it's it's Cincinnati's going to ruin somebody. Look at their look at their All Pro quarterbacks they've had in in their history with the franchise. Ken Anderson and Boomer Esiason. Boomer, yeah. And Greg Cook was had he not been hurt would have been as well. Yep. But no doubt about it. Well, the, the question is, is this coach is your coach the guy yeah, that that's the big question is is Zach Taylor who, you know, was quarterback coach in LA for Jared Goff, but is he good enough? I don't know. You're going to find out. Well, a very happy birthday to Exo Tim. His birthday coming up this Thursday, February 27th, extending a very Happy birthday to XO Tim. Enjoy the day, and I'm sure he'll enjoy some fine cigars as well as some fine libations in the XO Tim lounge. So happy birthday, XO Tim. Let's talk about one of my favorite people, Greta Thunberg. Little Greta. Greta. Little climate change Greta. In fact, every time I see her or I hear her, there's only one thing I can think of. Sergeant Steve, How hit dare it. you? Hit it one more time. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you How are? dare you? You adults have destroyed the world for us. You invented the car and the airplane. How dare you all? Well, Greta Thunberg, Miss Teenage Climate Activist, the puppet of her parents and all the other people that essentially want to take advantage of her, has been nominated for the 2020 Nobel Peace Prize by two Swedish lawmakers. And I believe the Nobel Peace Prize comes not only with a million-dollar prize, but with Swedish meatballs. Yeah, I'm going to have some Swedish meatballs as well. Two members of Sweden's left party said 17-year-old Greta Thunberg has worked hard to make politicians open their eyes to the climate crisis. And she said, and they said her work reducing our emissions, complying with the Paris Agreement, is therefore also an act of making peace. Well, I find it interesting that little Greta Thunberg loves to point her finger at the United States because President Trump smartly withdrew from the Paris Climate Change Accords in June 2017, yet doesn't go after China. That doesn't have to do anything for, I think, 10, 15 years, who's got more pollution than any other country, I think, besides India. So tell me, little Greta, how dare China... How dare they pollute and how dare you, how dare you not go after them? So please, stuff it. How dare you? That's right. Now, I did get a kick that celebrities, after she was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, celebrities praised brave Greta. They call her so brave, so brave Piper Parabo, George Takai. Oh, my Rosanna Arquette offered their congratulations, saying the recognition was uplifting, well-deserved. Oh, please, please. Actor, former Star Trek actor George Takai, oh my, tweeted that Thunberg's haters can go suck an iceberg. Oh, brother, another piece of work. He said in a tweet, I'm very happy, oh my, there are Gritas out there to keep us honest and keep the pressure on. The haters can go suck an iceberg if there are any left. Boy, talk about a little melodramatic, please. And Rosanna Arquette, Pulp Fiction actress, tweeted, Greta Thunberg, 
nominated for Nobel Prize. She has galvanized a movement around the world to wake people up to climate change. It's real. Those of us who love our Earth love, honor this magnificent young woman. Really. Now, I do find it amazing that all these same actors and actresses, these celebrities, are still flying around in their private air transportation, their private planes and their chauffeur-driven SUVs, while they're pointing the finger at everyone else saying, climate change is real, need to do something about it. Here's another story about Greta Thunberg. Her family memoir is being launched. Greta Thunberg's life story and that of her family is raw and powerful, according to the publisher of a new book about the teenage Swedish climate warrior. The tome is ready for release next month. Comes at the same time, Thunberg's younger sister, Vieta Ernman, takes the stage alongside her mother to launch her musical career. And the BBC readies production of a complete television appraisal of Greta's life work. Let's see. Here's the story of Greta Thunberg. She was born... And then approximately at 17, 16 or 17 years, her parents started shoving her out in the public eye, taking advantage of her, even though she's got many mental issues. She's got uh, Asperger's. I think she's got, I mean, there's a whole bunch of lists, depression, but yet they trot her out there as a little puppet. That's not a fair thing to do to somebody, to a 16 or 17 year old, but they don't care. Why do they not care? Because it's all about the... Money. And when Greta, who you know is going to win the Nobel Peace Prize, gets that million-plus-dollar check, you can then join me and say, it's all about the money. That's right. Add it up. Little Greta. But here's something interesting. You hear all these Democrat candidates talking about climate change. It's our existential threat. should be our number one priority. We need to get off of carbon fuels and fossil fuels and put, put those executives of the oil companies in jail. For what? For producing a product that they all use every single day? Well, when Gallup conducted a poll asking Americans where climate change ranks, there are 18 different items that they, they uh, categorized, that they asked. And they do this on a weekly basis. Climate change ranks 17th out of 18th place. Just above dealing with global trade issues. That's number 18. Nobody cares. It's a small group of people. A small group of people that believe in wealth transfer that are perpetuating this climate change nonsense. And I love Joe Biden. We need, to put, we need to put oil executives in jail. We need to go after them. Yet, the last three months of 2019, he dropped a million bucks on private gents, sparing no expense. No problem. Oh, by the way, Mayor Skippy? I called Mayor Pete Buttigieg Skippy, because that's what he looks like. Skippy. In fact, during the debate, I said, Skippy's up past his bedtime. It's a school night. He should be in bed by now. Little Skippy, a guy that can't even run a little crappy town. Of 100,000 people now wants to run a country of 350 million people. He couldn't even take care of his own police force and the crime in South Bend, Indiana. And yet now he's the man that people say, oh, he'll be great to run the country. Please. Mayor Skippy would be a disaster as President Skippy. Not going to happen. But Skippy, 
had no problem shelling out big bucks. He spent $750,000 on private charters. Oh, and let's talk about those warriors against climate change, Barad Sanders and the fake Indian, Focahontas Warren. They are so alarmed about the existential threat that they keep talking about. We have an existential threat. The planet is burning up. We need to do something immediately. Fossil fuels are a problem. We need to go to electric cars immediately. They're so concerned about the existential climate change and fossil fuels that how did they get to Iowa and all the other campaign stops when they were going from Iowa to New Hampshire and out to Vegas? Did they take Commercial airlines? No. No, 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 no. Remember, it's do as I say, not as I do. Bernard Sanders. Private air transportation. Going from D.C. right when the impeachment in the Senate, when they would conclude, I think on Sunday nights, or when they were totally concluded, got on an airplane. Now, a number of reporters asked Bernard Sanders, saying, now, Bernie, doesn't it make sense all of you are going to go out to Iowa. Doesn't it make sense to share a jet? And Bernard said, I believe it does. I, that would absolutely make sense. Yet, when the other campaigns talked to him about doing it, the Bernard Sanders campaign said, nothing doing. I'm going on my own private jet. And so did Elizabeth Warren. And they got video of Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, not coming out of her teepee, but coming out of her private jet on the tarmac, in Iowa, and when they caught her, or maybe coming back from Iowa to, to Washington, when they caught her and she saw that there was a video, she hid behind and ducked under a few aids so nobody would see her. Please. We all know the truth. They all rail against you driving SUVs and driving big cars. Yet they have no problem traveling on private jets in giant motorcades living in big houses. I mean, Al Gore, Mr. Climate Change Warrior himself, 40 years ago, the Earth is going to have the flu. It's going to have the same flu that the uh, the rupa respiratory infection with bronchitis that the General Cigar Dave had. We need to do something. This is 40 years ago, then 30 years ago, then 20, then 10. Now, oh, we only have 10 years. Same BS that they spewed 40 years ago, they're regurgitating now. But Al Gore travels by private jet. Al Gore travels by SUV. Al Gore has multiple homes, including a giant home in Tennessee that's, I think, 16,000 square feet that burns more fuel, more energy than 40 houses. 30 houses will burn in a year. Does he have a problem? No. But again, it's do as I say, not as I do. And let me give you a perfect example of hypocrisy. Oscar and Grammy-winning singer, John Legend, who is a noted global climate change activist, big activist, multiple times. He has tweeted out saying, going against President Trump when he pulled out of the Paris Climate Change Agreement, going after President Trump being a climate change denier. September 17th, 2015, Legend tweets, we cannot elect a president who isn't serious about climate change. These guys disqualify themselves with this foolishness. In 2016, Legend posted a New York Times piece on his Twitter account on rising sea levels and wrote, shame on us if we elect a climate change denier. Seas are rising at faster rate in last 28 centuries. Yeah, right. And then last September, 
John Legend expresses support for little Greta Van Thunberg, her global climate strike. He says in a tweet on September 20th, 2019, young activists are challenging us to confront the realities of the climate crisis. Join me as I stand with Greta Thunberg as we strike for climate. Now, Mr. Climate Change Warrior, Mr. We've got a huge problem. You can't support these President Trump because he's a denier. Mr. Climate Change, Mr. Worried about rising sea levels, Mr. Need to do something about carbon fuels. What did he do on Valentine's Day? Did he take his wife model, Chrissy Teigen? Did he get in the car, just go around the block? Did he get in his little electric-powered vehicle, or did they walk for a, for a meal on Valentine's Day? What do I always tell you? Hypocrisy runs rampant with these people. These climate change people, these taxocrats, it's do as I say, not as I do. They'll wag their finger at you, but never listen to one iota of the things they spew. Do as I say, not as I do. Rampant hypocrisy. Perfect example. On Valentine's Day, he and his wife, Chrissy Teigen, for their Valentine's Day date, they went out to dinner. Did he go to dinner around the corner? Did he go to dinner a few miles away? Nope. He went from Los Angeles to Napa Valley, 500 miles away, in a private jet to dine at the French Laundry restaurant in Yountville, California. Now, the French Laundry is owned by the same chef that owns Per Se in New York. I call it Per Soso. Biggest ripoff you'll ever seen. It's like 450 bucks for a 10-course meal, but every course is about half an ounce. I mean, literally, you got to go to a corned beef sandwich by the time you're done. So this clown, this little hypocritical bastard, John Legend, gets in an airplane, gets in a Challenger 300, burns more fuel on taxiing than 10 cars will in two days or a week, goes 500 miles from his house just for the night and comes back the same night to go eat dinner at an overpriced restaurant. And he documented his Valentine's Day trip in an Instagram story. And they show the couple on the way to the restaurant in their private jet. Now, please, this is the same son of a bitch that is pointing out President Trump and saying, we can't elect a president that's not serious about climate change. He should disqualify himself. We've got rising sea levels. We can't elect a climate change denier. And by the way, the same rising sea levels that President Barack Obama talked about, that Miami and New York and L.A., everything's going to be underwater. He's so concerned about climate change and rising sea levels that he just plunked down $13 million on a Martha's Vineyard estate that sits at, you guessed it, sea level. So please... Major hypocrisy. Whenever you hear one of these celebrities saying, we need to do something about climate change, and it's a crisis, and we need to do something now, and we need to go vegan, just remember they're hypocritical bastards. Screw them. He is no problem burning 3,000 gallons of fuel or 2,000 gallons of fuel to go out to dinner with his wife on Valentine's Day, but God forbid you want to drive an SUV or you want to live in a house that uses air conditioning. Remember, they're all hypocritical bastards. Screw them all. They're lying sons of bitches. 
The final and concluding segment of this edition of The Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with The General now at Cigar Dave Show. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm going to go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I got to tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree, but guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. The Cigar Dave Officers Club has been en fuego on fire with marvelous selections. And we continue that trend for February. We feature a full-flavored selection of Crown Head's unique artisanal quality cigars. First up, the Jericho Hill, dedicated to the man in black. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Jericho Hill, the first Nicaraguan cigar from Crown Heads. It's wrapped in a Mexican San Andrean Maduro wrapper. Rich, dark, delivers medium to full-flavored attitude. Then we feature the La Imperiosa. Buckle up. It's a seriously full-flavored beauty. Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper ignites massive notes of pepper. And then we wrap it up with Juarez, inspired by Jericho Hill. But Juarez amps up the strength, delivering notes of spice and sweetness. $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars like the Crown Heads full-flavored sampler. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and join the Officers Club today. The General has just illuminated the No Pleasure Police sign. Enemies of Pleasure may now return to their miserable lives. And speaking of enemies of pleasure, Michael Gloomberg, there's a great site that we will post at CigarDave.com along with all the items we talked about. It's called MeetBloomberg.com. MeetBloomberg.com. And their slogan is Defend Freedom, Defeat Bloomberg. And they go through all the various items that Bloomberg tried to regulate or ban in New York City. I mean, a tax on your lifestyle, a tax on your community, a tax on your food, a tax on your privacy. The list goes on and on. It's definitely worth taking a look. Real quickly, I saw this. This could be the most incredible invention, amongst the greatest inventions ever made. A quarter pounder fan club has come up with a new line of McDonald's and quarter pounder swag, including candles that smell like the ingredients of a quarter pounder. According to a press release from McDonald's, the six-pack of candles includes the following scents. Sesame seed bun, ketchup, pickle, cheese, onion, and a piece de resistance. 100% fresh beef. 
Now, here's what I'd like to have. How about a candle that smells like the entire quarter pounder? How about a, a candle that smells like the French fries? How about a candle that smells like a chocolate milkshake? How about a candle that smells like buffalo wings? These are essential items that every alpha male should have in their man cave. In addition to the real items, of course. I may have to buy one of these six packs to report back to see if they're any good. All right. As always, we'll continue battling the enemies of pleasure and enjoying the alpha male good life unapologetically. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. And screw Michael Gloomberg. It's done for you, Mikey. Mini Mike. Bye-bye.